Welcome to Utopian Talk, a podcast surrounding the journey towards health, sustainability, and building a better world together. Join us as we kick off engaging discussions with sustainability influencers, lifestyle bloggers, health and wellness coaches, bakers, and foodies, conscious people just like you who are taking steps towards a brighter future. It's time to join us on the journey because there's no planet B and there's no time like now to make a difference. Welcome back to Toby Hen Talk, where we have small yet engaging conversations focused on building a better world together. By now, you know, I'm your host. I think I don't need to say that anymore. Um, hope you all are doing well. Thank you for hopping on, uh, giving us a listen. Hopefully this episode is encouraging to you guys and just sort of enlightens you a little bit into the world of um, farming and uh, raising hens. And uh, so when you go to the grocery store and you're purchasing your eggs or just in your day-to-day life as you're uh, viewing the world in, in agriculture and um, that this episode in particular helps you to view that in, in a better light and um, gives you some more information. Our our guest today is um, Lucas Toes. And Lucas actually um, as of a couple months ago, was still employed here at Utopia Hen Farms, um, and he was our farm coordinator, and he helped um, coordinate with the farmers and um, really maintained those relationships and the partnerships that we have with the family farmers. Um, he has since moved on to um, sort of pursue um, some uh, passions of his and to sort of further his education, and we fully support him in that, and I thought it would be a great idea to sort of bring him on and sort of pick his brain a little bit um, and sort of, um, yeah, just find out uh, what it is that he's up to now and what insight he could offer to us. So Lucas, thank you so much for agreeing to come on. Uh, welcome to Utopia Hen Talk. Well, thank you, Paul. It's, uh, yeah, great to be here with you and uh, fun to be uh, back here at Utopia for a little bit. So yeah. This is awesome. Definitely. It's great to great to see you and have a have a guest that I'm familiar uh, speaking with. It's <laughs> <laughs> likewise. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is awesome. my first podcast. So this is fun. There we go. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people that come on that there's been a few of them that uh, it's their first podcast and they do amazing. So I have no doubts in my mind. I think it'll go, oh boy. It'll go Pressure's great. High. Okay. <laughs> Pressure Maybe. is high. Pressure's on. <laughs> uh, so getting started, why don't you give us a little bit of background just to you as a person, who you are, where you're from and um, what your life is uh, like now. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh as you said, I, uh, I was a farm coordinator there at, uh, at Utopian here, uh, quit there at the end of January, um, had an awesome time there, but we'll might, maybe we'll get to that later. But uh, yeah, so I'm from, uh, I guess I'm from out uh, in the western part of the U.S., Colorado and Arizona originally. I've uh, been living here in Pennsylvania for the last number of years. Um, I'm married and have a family, got three uh, growing boys. Um, grew up around farming and stuff and uh, wanted to get back into it and have spent, uh, I've had different careers in many different fields and uh, kind of uh, am moving back into uh, to agriculture now the last number of years and uh, seeing where, where things lead. Awesome. Very cool. Um, and what brought you to Pennsylvania? Oh boy. That's a, uh, that's a long, complicated story. But, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I was involved in a uh, uh, a mission over in Africa, uh, West Africa, 
uh, a little bit like Peace Corps where we went in and uh, uh, did uh, taught English in some village schools uh, years ago. And that was based out of uh, the, uh, the New Holland, Pennsylvania area here where Utopian is. And uh, through, the, through the church that I was a part of uh, at that time, still am, I guess, and uh, uh, ended up going over to Africa with them. And uh, when I got back, uh, just felt like I wanted to connect here with the people and ended up moving out here. Um, so that's the, that's the story in a nutshell. <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. So talk to us a little about, you used to work with Utopia Hen um, and talk to us a little bit about that experience and sort of that transition out, what pulled you out of that and um, sort of uh, where are you headed now? Yeah. So um, yeah, let's see. So I was there at Utopian for about, what was it a little over a year and a half, almost two years, I guess. Um, and uh, was there as a farm coordinator, as you said, um, kind of a, a, yeah, it was a great time. Um, learned a lot. It was, uh, I'd never done anything quite like that before. I'd been around agriculture for a long time, different uh, animals, but not, uh, not as much with chickens or at least not at that scale. And uh, so it was, uh, that was a blast. And uh, the Utopian team is uh, just a fabulous team. I, I love working with everybody there and, and still miss you guys. So, uh, yeah. and gals, whoever's listening. So uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, so as time went on there, um, I was uh, one of the, one of the projects that I uh, kind of helped initiate and, and uh, headed up there was a bit of the, uh, the move towards uh, regenerative agriculture for the brand and, and trying to see how that fit for the farms that we were working with. Um, and uh, as I, I had already been doing some studies on the side and as I dug into it more there and really kind of um, learn more about it as I went there, I realized that that was really where my passion was, not specifically chickens. Uh, mm. The chickens were awesome. They were fun. I loved being around them, but uh, just a, a bigger uh, scope of things. I wanted to be able to, uh, to help farmers with uh, soil health and um you know, other figuring out other practices, trees, and and uh, you know, ways that uh, the animals could be integrated into a healthy uh, food production system. Yeah. And so, kind of uh, felt like maybe that was my calling uh, in life, and started uh, praying about it and dreaming about it, and uh, seeing how the doors opened, and they they did. Um, I had the opportunity to uh, to go back to school full time here for a year or so and uh to kind of finish up some of my studies and uh so yeah one thing led to another i guess and it just felt like the right time to move ahead with that even though yeah i had to leave utopia hen there for a while uh i'm still miss you guys but uh anyway yeah so that's kind of where where that was that's awesome yeah no we definitely appreciated having you as a member of the team but it's great to see sort of where you've sort of started steering um, utopian in the direction of and as we continue on that journey towards like more regenerative agriculture and sustainability and everything um, and yeah. you sort of moved on to um, to sort of where your passions more specifically lie but we're still left with sort of that uh, sort of that um, that legacy that you left behind and continuing on in the footsteps that you sort of started um, leaving for us um, so Thanks. Yeah. What inspired your passion for agriculture? Would you say it started because you grew up more 
um, farming and stuff like that? And where does that passion really stem from? Uh, it, it's probably a, a number of things, but yeah, I, I grew up around it. Um, my earliest memories of, of my dad are, you know, you know, working for the, the local farmer that he worked for at the time. Uh, we grew up on a farm at, we didn't have much land ourselves, but, uh, you know, had some, had some animals, uh, sheep and rabbits and chickens, you know, growing up big gardens and, and that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, just, I guess part of my worldview coming, uh, at things, you know, from, a from a Christian point of view, I guess, uh, I, um, uh, I feel like taking care of the earth and being a good steward of what God has given us is, is a vitally important piece uh, in my life of, of mm. how I, I see how we need to, to live and, and care for the people on the planet, the animals, the things around us. And so that this kind of all fit together. Um, and, and as I was growing up, just realizing, looking around, seems like things, I don't know, I didn't quite understand it, even though I grew up in it there was like, things didn't make sense. And I just felt like there was, there was more there. There was, there was something missing. And mm. so that I've kind of been on a, a journey um, in, in one sense, my whole life, just trying to figure out like what I felt like that missing piece was. And uh, I think I found, you know, found it more or less with realizing that instead of being so extractive, agriculture can be very uh, uh nurturing and and regenerative for lack of a better word yeah um, and we can make things better we don't it doesn't have to be a um a degrading industry uh and so that's what i'm excited about right now is that we can make things better and still eat <laughs> yeah definitely um so uh it's interesting you say that you had recommended uh couple weeks ago that we as a team uh watch uh, uh kiss the ground i think was the documentary and that was a really powerful just um documentary sort of detailing sort of where we're at as as an agricultural system um in the u.s and sort of beyond that as well in the world um so uh yeah to anyone who hasn't seen it definitely recommend it i mean you know yeah, you know, definitely. take it and think about it. And, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't just take the facts as they're given, but sort of go do your own research and, and learn as much as you can, but it's definitely a good watch and something that'll inspire and um, sort of start some thoughts, I guess, um, yeah. in that direction. So what is the biggest and most important thing um, that you would say um, to what's the most important reason we should want to learn more about our earth and prop proper agricultural practices? Like, why is that so important? Oh, wow. Um, it's a big question. <laughs> that's a big question. Um, so like they say in that, in that film, you know, there is no planet B. Uh, <laughs> this is our, our survival system, if you will, the, the earth. Um, so there's that aspect of it. Um, but I think I think like, like I just mentioned earlier, uh, talking about my paradigm, uh, it, it comes back to being a good steward of, of what we've been given. And if we take care of, you know, the, the soil and the ecosystems, they are very resilient and abundant. And in a sense, they'll take care of us. Mm. Um, and, but we have to learn, um, 
we have to learn our place. I think most of the environmental problems in the world today can be boiled down to selfishness and greed and apathy. Um, and I think if we could get past that and have a regeneration of the mind and of our culture um, would go a long ways to solving a lot of the issues that, uh, that we see around us right now. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, yeah, a good observation. <laughs> I think we can see that in a lot of areas of our world, but yeah, just sort of the, the domino effect of, you know, <clears throat> how we as humans relate to our surroundings and each other and the earth and everything, and just how it sort of dominoes into, you know, where we're at now and the issues we find ourselves in. Um, yeah. Um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So regenerative agriculture, we've talked about it a, a little bit here and there, but let's, let's uh, dive a little deeper into what exactly that is. And um, if you wouldn't mind giving sort of, um, I know there's a lot of definitions floating around out there about regenerative agriculture and what it means. Um, but as someone who is passionate about, about the earth and agriculture, and from, you know, as you study it and all that, how would you define regenerative agriculture? What is that? What is a true definition of that? Sure. Well, like you said, there, there's a lot of different takes out there and it, it does depend on what you're looking at or, or where you're coming from. Um, my definition keeps changing as I go along. Uh, it keeps broadening. <laughs> I used to have a very, very narrow definition and it, 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 it keeps broadening. And I think that's good. Um, I, I don't have it like, like a word for word type definition, but in, in essence, it's, it's looking at things as whole systems. It's a, it's a, a renewal of the mind, if you will, to be able to see things differently, mm. um, to be able to work with nature and not against it. It, it contains a lot of principles and things uh, and, and even pre certain practices and methods. But often what gets talked about is certain methods or practices. Mm. And those specific things may work in certain contexts. But right. in other contexts, they would be completely wrong and would degrade the system. Hmm. And so if we get hung up on one specific practice or, or method, we've, we've missed the boat, I think. Um, and so we have to understand principles. But even beyond that, beyond the principles, there has to be a, a new way of seeing things. Um, so I should, I should work on distilling that down a little bit. Uh, to a, a more concise definition, but uh, in essence, I would say it's it's learning to see in systems, learning to see the whole and not the parts. So often mm. in our modern scientific age, we have taken everything we've studied and taken it down to the absolute smallest atom and studied it to the you know nth degree. And yet we've taken all those things out of their natural place in the world. Mm. Um, and so when we study those things outside of their natural ecosystem, I'll say, uh, we don't see how they interact. 
Sometimes we do, but often we miss things when we're mm. not studying the whole. Um, and Western science is great. Don't get me wrong. Like, like, you know, science is good, Yeah. but we need a new way of seeing things. Um, mm. and we need to be able to study things, <clears throat> excuse me, in their whole and not just in the parts. Not yeah. if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that definitely makes, makes a lot of sense. I think it's, yeah, it's definitely, like you said, it's a different, um, maybe you didn't say this, but it's, it's sort of a different approach. And I've heard it's a, almost like a shift in paradigm. I don't know who uses that mm. phrase, but it's sort of changing the way we think about agriculture and yeah, approaching it in a, a holistic way as like, yeah, just not just like one specific system or one specific subset of agriculture, but viewing it as a whole and seeing, like you said, yeah, how can, how can we uh, maintain and manage and um, sort of come alongside nature in its natural processes as a whole, um, yeah, way of, of, of how it works and everything like that. So yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I think that that's definitely, it's different. It's, it's not something we see all the time, you know, we, especially with like monocultures and stuff like that, um, where we're focusing on one specific crop type and we, you know, dry the soil out until, you know, it doesn't even, yeah. So definitely, uh, very important to view as a whole. I think, I think I could sum it up in, in a, in a quick sentence, something along the lines of creating an agricultural food system, uh, or an agricultural system that produces food in a way that mimics health, healthy ecosystems. Mm. Um, something along that line would be a, yeah. a way to kind of sum that up, I think. Yeah, so it's sort of learning from nature in a sense. Um, nature that we see is blossoming and doing great and flourishing and all that and saying, okay, what is it about this that we could take and translate into how we're managing our farms and our crops and our, our livestock? And yeah, yeah. very cool, yep. very cool. Yep. Um, <clears throat> that's awesome. Uh, so how then, um, let's touch a little bit, we're going to get into like chickens and pasture raised and everything, um, a little bit further on in the interview, but how would we take, so some of the regenerative agriculture, applying that to say a chicken farm or to raising hens and eggs and, um, all that, how can that be applied? What are some practical steps that farmers can take and even someone who is raising hens in their backyard a practical step that they could take that is leading towards more regenerative practices mm-hmm. yeah good question um so i think there's there's a couple things to consider um one of the first principles to understand is knowing what your context is and that in- includes things like your uh, your climate. You know, where are you in the world? Uh, what's your water supply like? What's your you know even your laws, local regulations, and stuff? You mm. know, what's what's doable, what's not, or what can you work with? So there's there's all of that to consider in every situation. But then it's also just the land that you're on. You know, are you in the woods? Are you in you fields? Like. Um, and so what makes sense in one place won't necessarily make sense in another, in another place, but that's where the principles come in. Um, so for chickens, how do we create a chicken system that mimics a healthy ecosystem? And so, um, the first thing I would do is look at where do chickens live naturally, wild, feral chickens, where do they live naturally? Um, 
They often live in brushland in along the edges of forests, um, sometimes in forests, the, the mm -hmm. real wild ones. Um, and they like to be in those types of places. Yeah. They're not necessarily truly uh, prairie birds. There are prairie birds, but chickens aren't so much. They, no. they can work there, um, you know, out in, in a wide open field. It, it works, but it's not necessarily their natural habitat. So it's, you know, things like that to take into consideration. Um, then what is their behavior? Um, you know, naturally, what would they do? Uh, well, most animals move a lot. Um, and so can you give them space to move? Can you give them a mobile coop where you can move the coop around? Mm. Um, are you raising broilers to where you could have a, you know, the chicken tractor style, the small thing you drag around your yard uh, if you're just raising a few? Or I've seen, uh, you know, giant barn-sized uh, yeah. mobile things that are awesome, you know, solar-powered and, and uh, on these crawler tracks they have like 20,000 broilers slowly moving across the field every day it's it's amazing um yeah. that's the type of chicken I'd want to eat <laughs> and so um yeah there's there's a lot of different ways to do that uh what does that look like in your context I don't know um you know for a backyard I've got a few chickens now of my own I have a big area that goes into the woods. They have grass, they have trees, they have bushes, they have shade areas. You know, I try to give them that area. I try to give them enough area um, that they can choose, you know, during the heat of the day, they can be down in the shade or they can be, you know, whatever they, wherever they need to be during that part of the day. I give them, you know, the, the space to do that. Mm. <clears throat> um, and so, you know, how can you, how can you mimic uh, you know, the natural systems, where are chickens going to be, you know, naturally, and, and, and that's most likely where they're going to be the most healthy, mm. uh, and have the best diet, and, uh, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah, I, I like the, that explanation, that's cool that you sort of have your own chickens now, and are able to do that, <laughs> um, and the thing that strikes me as always interesting to hear is the natural habitat of chickens a lot of the time isn't um, necessarily uh, like farmland or fields, a lot of it um, are like jungle type, yeah, you know, creatures good. of habit or whatever, where that or trees and forests and stuff <laughs> like that, and we do have um, on some of our farmers land, like they ha they'll have like the wood line and everything. And I've gone on there to take pictures. And a lot of the times the chickens will migrate over there to the trees. They'll get in the shade. Oh, yeah. They'll, yeah. they'll hop up on the rocks and the fallen down branches and everything like that. And they, they love it. So, um, they, yeah, they do. Yeah. I love those farms when I was there, you know, working with those guys that, uh, yeah, those are the farms that I had the most fun with. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, thanks for, for that explanation and sort of diving into that a little bit. Um, so you're, You've left Utopia Hen, you're sort of pursuing your passions and the things that you're passionate about at a grander scale. So what is one thing that pursuing your passions and going off and, and sort of um, going in this direction, what's one thing that it's given you that you maybe didn't expect it to give you? Hmm. And not necessarily, that not necessarily leaving Utopian or anything like right. that, but just like pursuing your passions in general and just like chasing after um, the things you're passionate about. What's what's something that it's it's given you, uh, given you? Well, right off at the moment, obviously, this is just a, a short piece of, of time in the grand scheme of things. 
you know, probably, but uh, at the moment I'm, I'm able to be home a little more and, uh, and be around my family and, and, and uh, watch my boys grow up and stuff like that. So, you know, that, that's been awesome. Um, but uh, it's, I don't know. That, that's an interesting question. And I haven't really thought about it a lot. The, I think one thing that's interesting is it's that I'm kind of realizing is I think everybody has a, a dream, mm -hmm. call it a passion, call it a vision, call it a dream. I don't know what the right term is. Um, I think everybody has a dream down deep in their heart somewhere of what you know, God has for them or, or, or what they're supposed to do in life, you know? Yeah. And I think we oftentimes don't understand it or, or get confused by it, or we don't know how to follow it. It doesn't seem realistic. And so we, we ignore it. Um, and yet from my own experience, I've seen that when we do that, we're usually not fulfilled we're not necessarily mm. as as happy as we we would be otherwise and when we start following that even in small steps in small ways it it brings about a a clarity of mind and focus and um a, a fulfillment that is hard to describe i guess and I'm not saying that my life is perfect i don't mean it that way at all right <laughs> um but there's uh there is just kind of a, a sense of, yeah, I'm going in the right direction. And it's, it, you know, it gives you kind of a, a peaceful feeling. So even though there's, there's challenges and stressful moments, for sure, life is still there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. That's encouraging to, to hear. Definitely. Um, but yeah, because there's so many things with chasing your dreams and pursuing your passions that um, you hear all different sides to it, you hear, yeah. you know, obviously like, yes, you want to do that, but then there's the whole side of like, well, maybe, you know, that's something you're passionate about, but maybe it's not something you'll ever attain or reach. And you can just, you know, keep doing being faithful and where, where you're at, which is all great advice, but it's encouraging to hear where you're at, where, yeah, you've sort of stepped out of the bounds of what we might consider maybe comfortable and sort of right. gone out yeah. and um, are pursuing that. And yeah, finding that a greater sense of, uh, yeah, purpose i guess maybe and just yeah, like no, that's a good way to put it yep. yeah that's very very encouraging to hear i appreciate you, yeah. you putting in that and yeah to anyone listening like that's that's huge because i feel like there's so many people especially nowadays where um and i think covid helped a little bit with that maybe getting us home a little more helping us reset our yeah. minds a little bit to okay what are we actually doing in life and just sort of slowing things down for us a little bit um and now we're getting back into things are going back to normal and things are picking up speed and we're getting back into just the the flow of everything um but yeah, yeah it's exactly. a good reminder to like slow down like there are, is something that you are actually you know is you're called out to do like there's a purpose for you here like right. what is that like chase after it pursue it um that's that's great and again it ties into what we're all about here at utopian is those small steps to a brighter future and sort of um yeah living into living into uh that greater purpose for a brighter world and everything yeah definitely um, that's cool very cool um <clears throat> So uh, let's talk a little bit about, I'm checking, I'm looking at the time now. We got a, got a, we got, we got about 15, 10, 15 minutes. So I think we can fit in a couple more questions. Um, what's the biggest challenge you're facing currently? 
um, and sort of where you're at and how are you tackling it? That's a question I ask pretty much everybody who comes on here just because it's great to hear about the highs and the passions and, and all that, but then there's always a challenge that, that we're, we're facing and it's great to sort of hear encouragement of what is it for you and how are you going about tackling that? Hmm. Yeah, boy. Um, yeah, there's always challenges. That's for sure. Um, I think right now my challenge is knowing, uh, how do I say it? Um, I guess it's, it's kind of twofold. One is knowing, knowing my limits and knowing like, okay, I want to do everything. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. You know, I want to get this training. I want to get that training. I want to, you know, go save the world or whatever, you know, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, um, and it's like, okay, one step at a time, you know, I've got to figure out how to fit things in. I've got to be realistic, you know, um, I've got to still take care of my family, you know, and watch the budget a little bit and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's still, you know, normal life from that point of view. Um, so I think learning to, learning to use my time well uh, is a challenge right now for me um, and to not overcommit or to, um, yeah, to pace myself, I guess that might be a better way to put it. Yeah. Um, but then also just kind of knowing, okay, like, you know, I, I, stepped out here it's like okay so now what you know and, and it's something i'm wondering about you know what what's the next steps and mm -hmm. and uh you know i don't have a a specific you know job on the horizon lined up necessarily uh you know there, there's possibilities out there sure but uh it's always that kind of unknown thing when you step out in faith it's like uh okay you know here we go um you know god i need a little hand here <laughs> um and uh and so that's kind of where i'm at there and it's just that okay, you know, one day at a time and, you know, do the next thing and, uh, and we'll get through it. Mm. So. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So what's been your favorite part of this whole journey then, um, of just sort of, oh boy. yeah, <laughs> your favorite part, what's the highlight? What's the big highlight? Uh, there's so many of them. Um, this is particularly the journey you're asking about. Um, just, yeah, journey, just everything we've been talking about now, just your journey from, yeah, I guess from just growing up and like getting into agriculture and just like your journey of now pursuing that even further. Um, what's been the highlight of all that? Has it been being able to have that flexibility of being home with your kids and pursuing that passion? Is there anything more in particular that's really stood out? That, that I was going to say that that is a big part of it. Um, being able to, to be with my family, we, we homeschool. And so, um, you know, being here with the boys and, and helping them with school sometimes and being able to work on projects together, that has been, that has been a huge blessing. Um, definitely one of, one of my highlights. My wife works from home also. And so uh, it's, uh, it's just been fun, you know, working and, and living together as a family. I, I think that's been, that's been a huge blessing for us. Um, and I don't know, there's, there's something about, uh, really digging into something and learning and having your mind like blown open. Mm. <laughs> Once you really dig into something, uh, it's like, whoa, you know, you had no idea how deep this rabbit hole was that you're going down, you know? And, yeah. uh, you know, when you have, you know, that, that feeling of, of, wow, this is so much bigger and I get to be a part of it. Um, mm. you know, that, that's been really cool. I don't know where it's leading or where it's going yet, but, uh, it's been, it's been really cool. Yeah. So. That's great. That's very cool. Yeah. 
Let's talk a little bit about chickens, specifically pasture-raised um, hens, and um, you know maybe more directly utopian farms and, and pasture-raised eggs and everything like that and hens. Um, so we got a couple questions, obviously, that are pretty regular questions. We answer them on our website and everything like that. But I'd love to sort of hear uh, just a maybe a fresh definition and a fresh explanation rather of of some of these questions. Um, and the answers there. So the first one is, uh, what do pasture-raised hens eat? Like, what is what is standard for a pasture-raised hen to eat? <laughs> okay, so, um, well, first off, <clears throat> excuse me, chickens are omnivores, right? Yeah. And so there's uh, there's kind of a uh, a misconception out there uh, among some that. Uh, that they only eat grains or, or whatever, or they're fed vegan diets. In fact, some egg companies even say, you know, vegan fed or, or uh, no animal products or whatever, but chickens are omnivores. And uh, so if they see a bug or a, you know, a bee going by or a worm in the ground, they're going to eat it. Yeah. Um, they're uh, yeah. They're, they're quite the little carnivore sometimes. Um, but, uh, but overall in a, in a, uh, a commercial egg operation, like what you're referring to with Utopi hen. Um, so mostly those chickens are gonna get a, uh, a well-balanced uh, diet, uh, a grain, mostly grain mix uh, that is, is specifically developed to give them optimal health. Mm. Um, it's gonna have the right amounts of vitamins, minerals, nutrients, uh, you know, calcium for eggshell strength and, uh, and things like that. Um, the, the hens that uh, most egg laying companies use are for the most part, a, a hybrid hen that is a very vigorous egg layer. They, they lay a lot of eggs. And so you have to, you have to support those types of hens. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a race car where you've got to put really good high quality fuel in it to get the most out of it. And, uh, yeah. and so these birds that, you know, they, they need that, uh, that good quality feed. And so for the most part, that's what they get. Now they can get some off the pasture and, and they usually do. I'm sure they get, you know, a certain percentage of, of insects and, and chickens will eat grass, especially in springtime. Now the young, fresh, uh, uh, high energy grass right now is, is awesome chicken food. My, my chickens are eating my grass. Um, you know, as we speak, I'm looking out the window, watching them. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, it's, they, uh, they definitely will how much I've heard different amounts. Um, in the right scenario, uh, possibly as much as a quarter, you know, 25%. Mm. But I would say that would be on the high side. Most chickens are going to eat mostly uh, uh, seeds and, and stuff in a, in a more wild sense. So in a, in a commercial type uh, system, you're going to need to provide uh, a good grain-based type, type feed for that to, yeah. in order to have healthy, in order to have a healthy hen. So. Definitely. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing too with uh, with the pasture raised is th the fact that they have the ability to supplement their diet with right. you know bugs and grass and be out there in the sun and everything and getting that additional nutrients. But yeah, we do make sure obviously that the, the feed they're getting is providing them with everything that they would need um, nutrition wise. Um, so what about uh, pasture raised eggs being more nutritious or less nutritious than say a traditional, just conventional egg where, you know, the chicken isn't pasture raised. They're not getting that time 
outdoors with the more natural uh, nutrients and stuff like that. Talk to us a little bit about that because I feel like there's a lot of confusion sometimes floating around. There is, and there's not a there's not a really good cut and dried answer for that, to be honest. Mm. Um, there have been some basic studies done. I don't know if there's any real in-depth studies, but there have been some basic studies done uh, on that. And the general consensus is if it's a really good pasture and, and the birds are, are handled well and moved around regularly, then yes, the eggs will have higher nutrient values, better omega-6 to omega-3 excuse me, better omega-6, omega-3 balance mm. ratios um, and things like that. It, it will be healthier, uh, more, more nutritional. That, that is true from what we understand. But that only occurs in, in specific situations and with really good pastures, I'll say. For yeah. the most part, I would say there's probably not a huge difference um, pastured hens are probably still going to be slightly better because they do have the option to eat fresh greens, uh, the occasional bug or worm and, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I still think that's better. Definitely. Mm. Um, you know, if I have the choice, that's what I'm going to buy. Um, so that, you know, the short answer is it depends. Yeah. Um, but generally I would say it's generally true. Yes. Um, but it is kind of a, you know, it's a little bit of a, a challenging, uh, a question because there are so many differences you know one pasture the next can be so different um the quality of the feed or the the grass or the you know the amount of insects can can vary substantially so exactly. uh, hopefully that doesn't put a damper on you guys <laughs> no 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 but, i think uh, yeah uh, i think it's something important to talk about and i think the the idea with with pasture raised and specifically um utopian as a brand is um, sort of like we talked with regenerative agriculture, viewing it as uh, as a whole, holistically and everything. Right. You have to view um, what the reason to buy pasture-raised eggs. Uh, what is the, are you looking at everything as a whole? Um, because if you look at just the nutritional value, yes, at face value, there's a slightly, there is a, a nutritional um, advantage to a pasture-raised egg. It's not going right. to be something astronomical, but you are getting higher levels of the omega-3s, sixes and stuff like that. Yeah. But the thing that's even more compelling and should drive you more is the lifestyle of the hen and where these yeah, eggs are actually coming from. Um, so that's yeah, that's something that, that I always like to draw from. And again, the, the nutritional value, they're getting the nutrients they need in their feed. They're having the time out in the pasture and that nutritional value, yeah, it will be a little higher, but the main thing is the life of the hen. And that's the next thing I want to talk about is- Yeah, thanks for bringing the, that up. Yeah, the importance of actually certified humane. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so that was one, that was one thing that I was very involved with when I was there. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that the, especially in today's day and age where you have so many companies making so many claims, it's really difficult sometimes to, you know, differentiate things and to be able to know what's really going on at some of these places. Yeah. Um, and so having some third-party uh, verifications uh, can make a, a, a difference there, I think. Um, and so, yeah, that was one of the reasons we had Certified Humane there uh, for Utopian. Uh, they had a set of uh, guidelines that we had to follow for each farm, a certain amount of space per hen in the outdoor area, but also the indoor area, so many nest boxes, so much feeder space, so much water space, 
um, so much square foot area, you know, per bird, mm. uh, all of that, um, that was very specific along with a bunch of other things as well. And they would also get, uh, audited every year. You know, there would be an inspector that would come out and actually, you know, count things and check things. Uh, you know, I was at a number of those inspections, uh, throughout my time there. And, uh, it was actually, it was actually really fun uh, to go out there with the inspectors and uh, and talk with the farmers and because they, they have they have a relationship they know each other you know and yeah. uh, they work together real well and uh, it's a it's it's a it's a pat on the back for the farmer you know he's like yes you know we're doing things well it's a, it's a it's a you know an encouragement there and uh, you know occasionally they might find a little something that needs to be fixed or something and then that's fine it's normal life you know but we take care of those things right away and, uh, and move on, you know? And so, yeah, that it made a difference, you know, compared to, you know, some of the industry standards that, you know, don't give much space or, or even care about uh, the chicken's health or lifestyle in many cases. Uh, it, it was a huge step forward uh, for a brand or for anybody who, who cares about the animal welfare. Very cool. Yeah, no, that's something we, we talk about a lot is, yeah, look for those third party verifications, because otherwise, mm -hmm. people are out there, you know, they can basically say whatever they want, they can slap whatever they want on their yeah. packaging and everything. And yeah. you really want to be looking out for those companies that are actually holding us to a standard. And that's why we're thankful for certifications like Certified Humane, keeping us to that standard and like every yeah. year going through and, and making sure that we're caring for the hens the way that that we should be. Um, awesome. Well, we've come to the end of our time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on and sort of uh, just sharing um, about your passions and sort of your journey and where you're at now. Um, I'll leave you with one last question. If there's anything that um, you want to recommend to our audience today, um, books, podcasts, anything like that, that you've found helpful um, in your journey specifically, uh, what are those things? And then, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's, uh, there's a lot of different podcasts out there. I don't know that I can pick one of them, uh, except maybe utopia hen or something. I don't know that, <laughs> um, no, but, uh, uh, for a book, if someone wants to learn more about, uh, uh, regenerative agriculture and, 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 uh, you know, how the soils work and stuff specifically, there's a, there's a little book. Uh, it's actually really easy to read. You don't, uh, it's not real uh, scientific, but it's very understandable. It's called a soil owner's manual by John Sticka. Uh, it's available on Amazon uh, for like $13 or something. Uh, also, there's a new documentary uh, that just came out uh, last week, I think, or, or on Earth Day, I think it was, uh, mm. called To Which We Belong. Mm. And it's, uh, I think it's available for rent now uh, on Apple and, and Amazon and, and places like that. Uh, to Which We Belong, can't remember who produced it right off, but uh, it's similar to Kiss the Ground, but it goes in. Uh, to even more information and it, and it highlights farms that are actually making a difference around the world. Um, it's really a, a cool documentary to, uh, to see. And uh, yeah, you guys should see it sometime there at the office. Yeah, definitely. Well, great. Thank you so much for those recommendations. And again, thanks for coming on. Where can um, uh, people find you or hear more about sort of what you're doing if they want? Uh, um, so I don't really do a lot of social media. Um, I am on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn, but that's about it. Okay. Uh, so. Yeah. LinkedIn, definitely a great place. I know you share a lot of uh, good articles and stuff like that and stuff that you found. Um, so yeah, if you want to 
find out uh, more about Lucas and sort of connect with him on there, um, that would be great. And any questions you guys have further about um, certified humane, pasture-raised hens and eggs and um, agriculture, uh, feel free to reach out to, to us here at Utopia Hen Talk and we'll connect you with uh, the best people to, to answer those questions for you. So thank you so much, uh, Lucas, for coming on and to all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again next week for another episode of Utopia Hen Talk. Have a great day. You've been listening to Utopia Hen Talk, where we believe that making a big difference starts with one small act, one small decision, one small change, one small promise to simply do better. Join us on the journey.